Amazing. Wow, Kimberly. Woo. Yes, and I am going to steal that. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, wow, that was so beautiful. Praise the Lord. Lord, we just pray over that. We pray over all the seed that you have sown in our lives, that you are trying to sow in our lives. God, the literal buckets and barrels of seed that are still inside of us dormant, that they will come out no matter how long it takes before we go to heaven. They will come forth, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We're, just gonna, we're gonna just sow seed everywhere, every kind of soil and every kind of ground because the power is in the seed. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. What a beautiful message. One of the most beautiful messages I've ever heard you preach. And I've heard you preach so many beautiful ones, but that one really, wow. Wow. How beautiful. Well, go ahead and stand, if you would, and hug a few people and sow a few seeds. Wow. 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 Leave that picture up there, bro. That, that's, that's intense. I mean, that is really cool. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is awesome. <laughs> Praise the Lord. What an encouraging message. Your children will come to Jesus. Praise the Lord. Your family will come to Jesus. Just keep sowing that seed in there. Just keep putting that seed in there. We were building a, a church. I had taken a team to the uh, Yucatan jungle. And we were building a, a church for a pastor there that had, I don't know, 15 or 20 people meeting under a tree. And then... I had taken a team in there, and we were going to build him a church for about 500 people in a week uh, out of the trees of the wood. And um, we were cutting down the wood and just, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. And, and I said, uh, you know, I'd like to go into the village nearby and, and, uh, and just talk to people about Jesus and all that kind of go door to door. And uh, so we did. We were going door to door, and we came to this little house, and and uh, there was a lady on a hammock, very old lady, and I asked the, the uh, minister fellow that was with me, uh, do you know this lady? He said, no, I've never met her. And so we went, went into the, the hut there, and uh, she said, uh, the, the fellow talking in her language said that she was 103. 103 years old, laying in the hammock. And I said, uh, have you heard about Jesus? And she said, no, I don't know. I don't know who that is. And then so I told her the story of Jesus, you know, I just as simple as I could. And she stood up 
in her little hammock like that, and she said, why has no one ever told me this before? If they had told me when I was a little girl, I would have accepted this. And now I'm about to die. And I've lived my life. But I said, yeah, but you are going to walk on streets of gold in just a few days. And I said, you're going to have angels, and you're going to, you know, live for all eternity in a young, healthy body that will never get sick. And she got saved, of course, and we left. And, of course, she died sometime after that, and, of course, she's in heaven. <laughs> but, but the seed, you know, she was, you know, waiting. And the seed just, bam. It's a beautiful thing. Wow, what a word. I'm kind of moved by that a lot. It's a powerful message, Kimberly. You know that I'm going to abuse you about it and make you preach it all the time. Praise the Lord. So let's go to part two tonight on loving Jesus and how you love Jesus and how you maintain that love uh, all through your life and understanding that, that loving Jesus can be as simple as a cliché and something that you just say, and Christians say that, and we say it all the time, and we sing it all the time. And But there is a definite test to so loving something. And, um, you know, most of you love Jesus as much as you possibly can. Most of you do. You love Jesus as much as you possibly can with the knowledge that you have. And that's, about, that's the way Christianity works. It's all based on knowledge, revelation, knowledge. The more revelation you have, the more equipped you become, the more skilled, the more successful, the more things you can do because you have the knowledge of something. So loving Jesus is the same way. You can stay at the same level with, with Jesus, the same level your whole life, or you can just go backwards. But to ascend to keep ascending after 30 years of being a Christian, or 40 years, or 50 years. Now that is an amazing thing. And I read this book, um, um, My Time in Heaven, I think is what it was called, but there was a little part in there, and I don't know if it's true or not, it just sounded really good, and it fits into what I'm preaching. But uh, So this man dies in a car wreck, a preacher, and he dies in a car wreck. He goes to heaven. The angels walking him around everywhere, and then they come to this big building, and he says, "That's the the library, you know. That's the library of God, where all the knowledge of God is is contained, and and people can go in there all they want." So he said he took him in there, and there was a a man sitting at a table, and he, and the angel told him, "Yeah, that that man is turning the first page." And then he asked him, how long has he been here? 2,000 years in your time. And he's turning page one. And, and you and I need to know something, that whether you've served God one year or 50, there's a lot more of Jesus than, than what you have. There's a lot more of Jesus than what you have. There's so much more for you to gain and obtain and so much more for you to learn and walk in. You never, you never achieve perfection on this side in knowledge or in anything. You're always growing because there's so many levels to Jesus. And he's so beautiful that way. 
and even in eternity. I mean, how can you live for eternity and never come to an end of the knowledge of God, of our Heavenly Father, of Jesus, of the Holy Spirit, and, and all of that? It goes on and never ends. Uh, so there's a lot. There's a lot. And um, But my goal in this is simply to get people to come back <clears throat> to their first love if they ever were at their first love. Some people never even do that because they don't know. And the people that may be teaching or mentoring them don't know. And so we suffer from a lack of knowledge. And, you know, where you are ignorant, you become food for some kind of predator. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to fall into the, the rut of becoming hard ground or shallow ground or disinterested or bored. We want to keep the fires of our relationship with Jesus burning and alive. And you can read through the Bible. There's a lot of different people there in the Bible that really love Jesus and really love God, and it was a very powerful thing. I'm reminded of Luke 7:37, the woman with the alabaster box. Even though she was a prostitute and Jesus was a rabbi, and all the laws prohibited her from approaching him because a prostitute cannot approach a rabbi, and she certainly can't touch one because immediately the rabbi would be defiled. And so, but she had heard about Jesus enough from her friends and other prostitutes that had been delivered by Jesus, Mary, Mary, maybe Mary Magdalene herself, uh, had told her, this, is, this, is, this rabbi is not like the other ones at all. I mean, he hugs lepers while they still have leprosy. And when he stops hugging them, they're not lepers anymore. I mean, he drove seven demons out of my life. And I don't have those demons. And he went to the crazy man in the graveyard who had all those supernatural powers and tortured himself and cut himself and broke his chains like they were string and screamed and yelled all night long and drove 2,000 demons out of him. And he's in his right mind sitting over there. So this woman had heard about Jesus. And without meeting Jesus, she already loved him. Just from his reputation, which is the majority of us that are here, that's how we love Jesus. We love Jesus because of his reputation and because of how he is described. But I want to tell you that's, that's still not enough. It's enough to keep you a Christian till you die, but it's not enough to give you what you're searching for. And you are a basic human like the, everyone, and you are searching for wholeness and completion, purpose, meaning. And you're also searching for equipping, skill, powers, abilities to heal people, to help people, to make people well, to deliver people, to be effective, to be relevant, to matter. And you're also searching for your own hurt, scars, wounds, and things to stop mentoring you, stop talking to you at night. Stop speaking to you. You want the voices to go away of your mistakes and of the things you've done that you have guilt about and shame about. You want those voices to leave your head, and you know you can't get rid of them. You try drugs or whatever. It doesn't get rid of them. It just silences them temporarily, and then they're back even louder. So everybody's the same. And so the secret 
is in being in love with Jesus so much that everything else is put in its proper place of relevance. And then your life can flow. Because then you're not uh, offended, you don't have agendas, you're not trying to control people, you're not trying to control the world, you're not trying to control everything in the world, you're not trying to have an image and look a certain way and be thought of of a certain way because you're, you're past all that. You've gone away from all that. Just by loving Jesus, all that has gone away. Uh, John 21, Mary's at the garden waiting. Jesus has died, and she goes there, and he's gone. He's not in the tomb. He sees a man who she thinks is the gardener, and then he's, he says her name. And obviously, Mary had that kind of relationship we're talking about. She had a relationship with Jesus that was so personal, so intimate. She's there alone looking for him, who she's been delivered by him and is part of his team and, and goes around serving and ministering to him and the other disciples and whatever they did, and, and she's there and doesn't recognize his body because it's in a state of transformation. But when he speaks, she identifies with his voice immediately. And, you know, until you really hear Jesus say your name, it's, it's not like anything else that ever happens. If you, if you hear Jesus say your name, and even if your name is John, and there are trillions, let's, not trillions, but millions, let's say, of Johns in this world, and Jesus says your name, it will be as if it's the only John in the universe, because he will say it in a way that contains you within his voice. And that's intimacy. That is knowing that is being close to God. When you can identify, like you mothers who have children in the nursery, and one of them screams, you can say, ooh, that's mine, just in the midst of all the other screaming. Because you're the mother that's connected genetically, by, through biology, connected to that voice of your child, which you're with 24 hours around the clock. And then that child becomes familiar, and his voice becomes familiar. And then your voice as a mother uh, or a father becomes familiar to your child. And your voice can calm a child down like nobody else's voice, because you're the mother of that child. And it's that way with anybody you're close to. There are certain people, you know, I call Kimberly pretty much all the time, every day, constantly, to her bugging sometimes, and why are you calling? You just called. Ah, I just want to hear your voice. You know, I just, I'm, not, I'm just driving along the road. I know, but you just called. Do you have anything to talk about? I really don't have anything to talk about. I just want to just hear your voice. So just be on the line while I just drive. She says, no. <laughs> no, not really. She's actually very gracious, very gracious. And uh, will just talk to me about anything, you know, especially sometimes if I'm driving a long way, you know, and I have a two hour and a half hour drive or something. And, oh, yeah, I just want to stay awake and then start talking about things. But what I'm saying is with Jesus, there has to be that in your life. You are not going to be happy any other way. You, your husband can't make you happy. Your wife can't make you happy. Your children. There's a place in you reserved only for God. And he will not allow another to place themselves in that place. 
And if it, Jesus doesn't satisfy it, then nobody will. Praise the Lord. And so, you know, when we talk about how that you maintain and manage your love for Jesus, that's what we're going to talk about. It's a very powerful thing. And uh, I want to really make it clear so everybody gets this in your mind that, you know, we can love God for who he is and what he's done and what he's going to do. And that can keep you for the rest of your life. And it does a lot of people. But what I want to tell you is there's a way to go to a much deeper place where you have that loving relationship with God. He can never say to you, you have left your first love, even though you're doing all these other great things. That your relationship with God is so real and so full of passion and fire and alive. And so that's what we're going to kind of talk about right now um, and, and see, you know, what we can do. So let's begin. Um, Song of Solomon chapter 3, verse 1. All night long on my bed I looked for the one uh, that my heart loves. I looked for him, but I did not find him. I'll get up now and go about the city in the streets and squares, and I will search for him whom my soul loveth. So I looked for him, and I did not find them. The watchmen found me, and they made their rounds in the city. Have you seen him whom my heart loveth? Scarcely had I passed them when I found him whom my heart loveth. I found him, and I held on to him, and I would not let him go. Praise the Lord. So, again, this is the principle, very powerful, uh, on holding on to Jesus. That's what this is all about, and Christianity is all about, is holding on to Jesus. So the very first thing, how are you going to have an intimate love relationship with someone you cannot see. Look around you, for example, who's here tonight. Just look around you. And you can have a relationship with some of these people because you can see them. Reach over and touch somebody. See, that's called tangibility. You can touch that person. You can see that person. You can hear that person. If you're close enough, you might be able to smell that person. And if you're really close, you might be able to taste that person. Praise the Lord. Tangibility. So you're not going to have a very deep relationship with someone that you can't have tangibility with. Everybody, no matter who we are, rotate towards the most tangible thing in our life. That's who we are. You don't go home and find a bed of nails and lay on that. You find the most comfortable bed you can find, the most comfortable chair you can find, the most comfortable clothes you can find, and the best tasting food you can find, and the best smelling food you can find, and the best of everything that soothes you and calms you and brings you pleasure and that you can have, mmm, that's delightful, and the best donuts and the best this and the best that, because that's how you're created. You're a tangible person. And so... Jesus loses a lot of people to the tangibility of this world. Marijuana is tangible. Heroin is tangible. Cocaine is tangible. And there's many, many other things. And so many people leave church and leave God because they go to church at first, get saved, and it's genuine, but they achieve no tangibility. They, there's nothing tangible for them. It's all head and intellectual. 
And for a lot of people, that's just not enough once they've tasted the tangibility of the flesh and of the world. It's enough for people who've never done anything, but it's not enough for people who have tasted the depths of the pleasures of fleshly sin. For them, they need something to counteract those voices that are calling them to that tangible pleasure. And so God offers us that in a relationship with Jesus, if we can just know how to do it and how to make that happen. So when you're talking about tangibility, you're talking about being able to see God even though he's invisible. So that's the first thing. If you're going to have a relationship with Jesus, you have to be able to see him. But he's invisible and lives on another dimension and in another world, yet he exists and he is real. And the Bible says in Ephesians 1.17, I will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus, so you know what the hope of your calling is, what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards you, and what your inheritance is in the saints. And then it says, I will open the eyes of your heart. And so when you read in the Bible, everybody in the Bible who actually saw Jesus, for example, Moses, according to Hebrews eleven twenty-five through 27, said, Seeing him who was invisible, he left Egypt and walked towards the one he saw that was invisible. So Moses actually saw Jesus. He saw God with his spiritual eyes. So you have a set of spiritual eyes. And if your spiritual eyes don't open, then your relationship with God will be basically intellectual. That means from your mind because you can't see him. You notice that a lot of the love you have for people is based on what you can see. And so, you know, I have all my grandchildren, I have my wife, I, have, I see them, their faces. When I see their faces, my world lights up because there's a tangible view of that. And so the Bible talks about that everywhere through the Bible. Psalm seventeen fifteen. I will wake up early in the morning, behold your face, and be transformed into your image. That's a powerful thing. Psalm 27, 4. One thing have I asked of the Lord, and that shall I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, and behold the beauty of the Lord. So if you're going to have a loving relationship with somebody, they have to be seen, and what you see has to be beautiful. Praise the Lord. Because if Jesus had fangs, horns, and was dripping with venom, it would be a little bit difficult to have a loving relationship. But it says, Song of Solomon, very powerful, chapter 2, also chapter 1, also chapter 8, very powerful. He is altogether lovely. Praise God. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, says, Your love is better than wine. Therefore do the virgins love thee. Song of Solomon chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. I sit under your tree and eat the fruit, and the taste is sweet to my soul. Tangibility. Tangibility. These are the things you must be experiencing with God. Otherwise, you're going to rotate back to something else and eventually lose all your passion and fire for God and walk away from God 
Or if you're a normal person without any of those poisons in you, you will be just a nominal, regular Christian that isn't spectacular and doesn't do great things and doesn't fulfill your actual destiny. Because in order to fulfill your destiny, you've got to have compassion for somebody. And the only way to get compassion is directly from God in a relationship with God. It doesn't come from anywhere else because compassion is transferred through intimacy. And if you don't have intimacy with God, you will not have compassion. And if you don't have compassion, you will never reach out to anybody or step out of your comfort zone to do something that you've never done before. Praise the Lord. Any dog that is rescued is normally rescued by a person who has compassion for the dog. Any child that is rescued is rescued by somebody that has compassion for the child. Praise the Lord. Look at Bethany, my own daughter. She has three children, and she just adopted four more. Four children from the orphanage. That's what we said. <laughs> Praise the Lord. She just adopted Mercedes, Sarita, Tino, and Lila. Four siblings that came from the dump. Pretty spectacular. So now when they go to Australia every year, it's not, you know, five of them going. Praise the Lord. I mean, it's... I mean, it's changed. It's a lot of them. It's a lot of people. But what does that, what makes a couple take on four grown children? It's the compassion of God. And it's a beautiful thing. Praise the Lord. You have to see God. You have to hear God. If you can't hear God, how can you have a relationship with someone where there's no communication? Can you really have a, a relationship with a statue that you do all the talking and the statue never talks back? Is there any relationship between two people where there's not communication between the two of you and a transfer of language? No. So in order to have a loving relationship with God, you have to be able to hear God. So you have to have the skills of listening just like you have the skills of talking. You've got to be able to tell God everything, and then you've got to be able to be quiet and listen to what God has to tell you. But if you can't hear God, then you don't have a relationship with God that's intimate or personal because you can't hear God. And it's impossible to have a relationship with somebody that you cannot at least transfer information. For example, a person that's deaf, if they learn to do sign language and the person that can hear and speak... Uh, and, 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 and converse normally, learns that language, then there's at least that communication, and it's going far, and they're having a conversation back and forth with sign language and everything, and they're communicating, there's language and everything, because they're hearing each other. Well, how are you going to have a really close relationship with Jesus if you can't hear him ever tell you anything? I mean, literally, our lives have been saved in our family because we were able to hear God about something. Isn't that true? I mean, how many times has God saved our lives and saved our ministry and saved our marriage and saved our children and saved everything because God's voice was able to be heard? And the Bible says there's no voice like his voice. The voice of God, your father, whose good pleasure it is to give you the kingdom, that voice heals you when it speaks. 
It's not like the voice of a human person. It's a healing voice. It's a very powerful voice. It defines, it leads, it guides, it does all that. And if any of you that have ever heard God's voice, you're standing today. Pastor Robert does what he does today because at some point, someday, God said to him, I've called you to be a paymaster. And I've called you to rescue orphans and widows with Ivan and do whatever it takes. And he heard that word however many years ago, and he's going to be faithful to it till the day he dies, and it has nothing to do with me. Although I know he likes me, but not that much. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know what I'm saying. He can take me or leave me. You know, he's, just, he's going to keep doing it. If Kim and I went to heaven today, he wouldn't stop. He would just keep going. Right? So how can you have a relationship with Jesus if you can't hear him? What kind of a relationship is that? Nothing. You must feel God. How are you going to have a relationship with God if you can't feel God? Reach over and touch somebody. Well, praise God. You, you touch him and, and you feel him. And so feeling is a big thing about a relationship. And with Jesus, it's the same way. You, you, many people come to church because they feel God in the presence of the singing. So the worship is going on. Laura was singing today that song, Forever I Will Love You, and I Will Love You, O Lord, my God, and that song. And so she was singing that, and, and the heaven just opens up and comes down, and what do you do? You feel God. Somebody is actually throwing God on top of you. Laura is in heaven, she closes her eyes, she starts singing it, and her worship to God, and your worship to God, and the person next to you's worship, and next to you, and everybody around you, they're all worshiping, and all that glory is coming down, and all the presence of God is coming down, and all the, the, the pee, everything is coming down, and you feel it, and you're like, wow, oh God, and that's going to hold you for a long time. It may hold you for the rest of your life, but it's supposed to be an all-day, everyday thing. Psalm 16 11, in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy, and at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Praise the Lord. So it's a very powerful thing, feeling God. Well, God doesn't feel like anybody else. And if you can't feel God, you're going to have depression. You're going to have severe discouragement. You might even have suicidal thoughts. You will have a lot of anger and rage. You're going to have a lot of bad uh, feelings. But if you can feel God and be in the presence of God and dwell in the presence of God and feel God, and how do you feel God? There's many ways to feel God. Worshiping God, for example, you can feel God if you worship God from a sincere heart. You just start singing and worshiping and talking to Jesus. Well, you're going to feel him. Reading the Bible with an open heart and a sincere heart, searching for truth, you're going to feel God. You're going to feel God by forgiving somebody that doesn't deserve to be forgiven. You're going to feel God when you do that. So there's many ways that you can feel God and have an intimate relationship with him. But if you don't do any of these things, if you don't get on your knees and pray, well, you're not going to feel God. But if you get on your knees and pray, then you're going to feel God. But what if you just walk in your body like this, but in your heart you're kneeling and worshiping, all day long, then you're going to feel God all day long. 
Because in here, you're already kneeling through the spirit of humility and the many graces you give to people who do not deserve them. You become divine by emptying yourself of your ego. And you access divinity by emptying yourself of self-righteous pride. And when you are a foot washer and you count it your greatest joy to do it, then you never leave the presence of God because God dwells with the poor, rejected and unwanted. And if you want to find him, that's where you have to go. Praise the Lord. So you have to touch God, taste God. You have to commune with God. You have to fellowship with God, sense God, perceive God, know God. You have to have intimacy, bonding, friendship, all of these things, they're all a part of the tangibility of God. I'm going a little faster now, but if you want to get this in its full range, you can get it from my app on your app store on your phone, Ivan Tate, T-A-I-T, and you can find that there and get the full expounded deal because I don't obviously have time to do all that tonight. But let's talk about how you do this. Step one, Jude verse 20. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, you build yourself up. Your inner man is built up. And when you pray in the Holy Spirit from a sincere heart, you open the windows of heaven and the, the glories of God and the presence of God comes down. And the more you pray, the more that your spirit man becomes tuned to God. So let's talk about that. You have your body, you have your soul, mind, will, and emotions. Then you have your spirit, conscience, intuition, communion. You have all of that. Very, 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 very powerful. And for all of these things, the most powerful thing you can do to really start and keep an alive relationship with Jesus that is very loving and very alive is to figure out how to pray in the Holy Spirit where you actually sense and feel the presence of God. For example, you can pray in the Holy Spirit like you're cussing, and that will not give you that. If you pray like a crazy person, that will not give you that. But if it's from the heart, with purity and sweetness, and it flows out of you and you're having a, a relationship with God, with the spirit language that is given you, and for those of you that may not have that yet, try to remember that it's Satan's job to demonize the gifts that God wants to give you. But judge everything by what the Bible says. And you'll find that somebody who demonizes a gift has to go against what the Bible teaches and create teachings that are not based on the Bible. They're just based on their own preference of their own denomination. So you have to be careful that you love Jesus more than you love a denomination. That you love the Bible and the truth of it with no bias. That's the secret of your future and your success. Once you become biased, it's pretty much all over. Praise the Lord. So praying in the Holy Spirit, why do you do this? The Bible tells us very clearly. Because to have an intimate relationship with somebody that's invisible, somebody that has no audible voice, and somebody that doesn't have physical hands, 
And in order for you to have that intimate relationship, all of this that we're talking about, God has to become visibly, tangibly real to you. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, you sharpen your conscience to where it becomes the highest level of sensitivity. Where as soon as you do something wrong, you catch yourself, you stop, and you apologize. Whereas there's been, like in my life, many times where I've done something wrong, and somebody's called me on it, and I said, no, that's not right, that's not true, I didn't think that, I didn't say that, that's not what I was thinking, I don't know, and then I go away, and I walk away, and my conscience says, what, what? I go, okay, I'm going back, praise the Lord. Because my first reaction was based from my ego. My second reaction was based from my conscience. Praise the Lord. And so the more you pray in the Holy Spirit, the more your conscience, because God speaks to your conscience. That's where God speaks. That's how you know God is talking to you, because you have a living conscience. And your conscience becomes so tender and awake and alive that you're dealing with something, you're about to lie to somebody or cheat something or not do something or lie to yourself or misrepresent something, and your conscience says, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. I can't do that. And don't feel bad if it takes a few minutes or even a few days or even a few months. Just be glad it eventually happens. Well, it took me three months to admit that. Praise God. But it's something. It's a beginning. Don't try to be perfect overnight. There's some things you're just going to lie about for a long time. I was with a preacher friend of mine, and we were skiing in Colorado. And we go skiing, and uh, Kimberly and the kids, everybody was with me. We go skiing, and I'm with this preacher. He's never skied, ever. So he's got all his skiing things on. He's got his uniforms. He looks like a bunny, you know. And all. And you could tell he didn't know anything. And so he gets right off the gondola and falls over. And I go up to him and I say, okay, well, let's go. He said, nah, I can't. I said, what are you talking about? That wasn't a bad fall. He said, no, that, that, that messed up my knee. I said, what do you mean? Well, I have a bad knee. I said, you have a bad knee? You're skiing with a bad knee? How bad is your knee? Well, it's so bad that I can't walk now. Just from that, you can't walk? Why, 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 what are you doing? I said, can you get up? No, I can't get up. Can you move? No, I can't move. So I said, well, I'm going to have to call the, you know, the rescue people. So I don't know how we did. We called the rescue people. The lady comes up with a, the, uh, the pallet thing. And she's going, and she says, sir, what's the matter? Well, my knee, it's, I've had a bad knee, and, and now it's really bad, and I can't move, and la, la, la. Okay, sir, so I'm going to have to put you on the gurney, whatever it was she was called. I'm going to have to put you on, and I need your correct weight. <laughs> he started really low, 198 pounds or something. And I said, what? That is a, that is a lie. You do not weigh 198 pounds. Don't lie to her. He goes, all right, all right, 212 pounds. I said, that is a lie. Do not lie to this lady. And the poor girl is just going, sir, sir, I can't put you on here. If you get on here and it's the wrong weight, it's, it, it could be a disaster. You could get really hurt. I could get hurt. 
All right, 235 pounds. I said, man, there is no way you weigh 235 pounds. And she's putting him on. And before she takes off, she says, sir, this is the last time. I said, you are lying. So she starts going. She says, okay, wait, 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 wait. 258 pounds. All right, that's what I weigh. So she has to readjust the whole thing. A preacher. Huge church, like 2,000 people. But there are some areas of your life where you're going to need to be real close to Jesus before you tell anybody the truth. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're just going to have to be real close to Jesus, except for some of you. Praise the Lord. I've never done anything or lived. But are you just been a godly person all your life or however long or whatever? But... Praying in the Holy Spirit is going to give you that. It's going, to, it's going to make your conscience real sense. And then you have the intuition area of your life. Well, how do you have a, a relationship with Jesus if you can't perceive his presence? You have to be able to perceive things. And so there is a perception to your spirit, man. And when you're praying the Holy Ghost, your perception becomes keen, very keen, to the point where sometimes when you're ministering to a person, you can even tell what's wrong with them. You can tell what's emotionally wrong. You can tell what is physically wrong. You can tell what is going on in their life. And the Holy Spirit is talking to you. You're having a conversation with them while God is speaking to you, not in an audible voice, but he speaking to you and you can hear him inside and he is telling you something about this person that's called intuition and the more you pray in the holy spirit the the greater and sharper and more powerful your intuition becomes until finally you're just doing crazy things at, at grocery stores or anywhere talking to people and saying hey this is wrong with you this is la 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 i, I know you're a stranger but let me pray for you and la 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 and and things are happening praise the lord it's a powerful thing. And the most powerful is your communion, which is your ability to talk with God without audible words. This all comes, first step, is praying in the Holy Spirit. That's the first step. There's more. But praying in the Holy Spirit, it will cause your communion to become keen. And what does that mean? It means that you're able to silence all the other voices in your head, the voice of the devil, the voice of your mother-in-law, the voice of you know, your greed, the voice of your selfishness, the voice, your own voice. And you're able to separate it and say, you know, and, and know what God is telling you and know what God is saying to you, and you can hear it clearly. So step one, just by praying in the Holy Spirit every day and spending time doing that, that's going to make you much more supernatural in a natural way and make your relationship with God much more real, and tangible. Okay? Step two. Everything God does, he does it through the Bible because the Bible is God's will. And so the Bible then is the way that God speaks to us the most. So your job with the Bible is first of all to bring the Bible to life and to unlock it. And at, the way you do that is by praying over the Bible before you read it. Do this every time. Just say, Lord, open your word and show me wonderful things out of it. Show me the rhema from your word. And, and, and not the logos. The logos is the word as it sits. The rhema is the word illuminated by the Holy Spirit that applies to your personal situation in your life. So 
Logos, rhema. Logos is the way a lost person reads the Bible, just as is written. Rhema is the way that a saved person who has communion with God reads the Bible. It comes to life, and the revelation of that comes out. You need both of them. But it's, for you to have that intimate relationship with God, you have to be able to hear God tell you things from the Bible and speak to you. So what do you do then? You pray over your Bible before you read it with a lot of reverence. You find a translation of the Bible that matches the way you think in the sense of the way you speak. You don't want if to, you, if you get a King James Bible and you don't know half of the words in it, you're not doing yourself any good. You need to find a translation of the Bible that is as close to the original as possible, but yet is modern enough to where it makes sense to you when you're reading it. That's the second thing. And then the third thing, and this is really important, you begin to memorize verses out of the Bible that jump out at you when you read them. These are called prophetic verses. These are the living verses that apply to your personal life that are going to cause your insides to be healed while you read them. So you'll find that while you read those verses, that they're actually healing a wound, a hurt, a, a pain, a fear, or something else, an anxiety. They're actually driving those things out of your life just by memorizing those things and putting them in your head. That is going to happen. Then you go another step further and you meditate on that scripture and you start thinking about that scripture as meditation is worry on the positive side. And everybody knows how to worry, so everybody knows how to meditate on the Bible. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. And so worrying is all the bad things that are going to happen about that situation. And, and, and meditation is all the positive things that are going to happen because of that Bible verse that you are meditating on. Then what you do with that is you write down what God is telling you because you have to perfect the voice of God in you. And you are writing down what God is telling you from your meditation. You keep it in a book and in a journal, and then you go back to it and you read it day after day, and it keeps edifying and it keeps building you up, and it keeps until you create a library of the voice of God written down for you, so that when that thing attacks you again, you already have the Rhema word of God there to battle that attack with. And you can just say, That's the devil. Here's what God told me about that. So that is not going to happen. This is the word of God, and I build my life on this word concerning that problem. And I have watched all the members of my family do this, especially Kimberly. You know, I've watched her do it so many times that God will give her a word about something that may be a battle going on in her life, and God will speak to her that word, and as soon as, as, soon as she says it, boom, she's free, and she has something to hold on to. And the next time it tries to come, she brings it back up like a light, and it does that. And it's happened to me, and it's happened to, you know, the members of my family. This is a very powerful thing to do, and this is how you have intimacy. It begins to have a loving relationship with God, because He's the one giving you this liberating, delivering information that is healing you and setting you free and empowering you and giving you great strength. Because remember, having a relationship with Jesus is like any other relationship. It takes work. You're not going to have a good relationship with somebody if you're lazy. 
And if you're not hungry for God, you're not going to do it. And if you're not desperate for the will of God, you're not going to do it. And if you don't care, if you're content with your life as it is, I am not going to make any difference in your life today. And neither will God because you're happy with your life and it's good enough. And so you're not going to want more than what you have. This is good enough. This is for the people who are true believers in the sense that they want all of God's will for their lives. I do, because I need it. I need more of Jesus. Then you need to proclaim those revelations to other people, because once you speak a thing, it becomes part of your DNA, and you must speak it over and over and over and over. It's called testimony. And you go around telling people what God has done for you. And from the word, the Lord spoke this to me and it set me free. I had such a problem with my mother-in-law and I just couldn't handle it. And then God spoke this word to me and I, I was set free. I've never had another problem with her again. Now I see her in a completely different light from a totally different perspective because I see her the way God sees her and this has changed me. Now you're in a living relationship and love is beginning to happen because that is the essence, is loving Jesus. Can everybody say it? Say it, I love Jesus. Tell everybody around you, I love Jesus. Just grab them and shake them a little bit and say, snap out of it. You want to sing these verses. You want to sing them. You want to worship with these verses. You want to pull certain parts of these verses out and sing them. For example, Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation. You want to sing that if you're a person given to condemnation. And you want to sing it, there's no condemnation in Christ. You start singing that, and it starts getting on the inside of you, and it starts redefining you, changing you. And in the midst, you're having contact with Jesus and contact with heaven, and he's becoming more and more real to you. Praise the Lord. Think about that. Pray God's word, pray over God's word, and worship with the word of God. Those are all very important. And what will happen out of that is God will begin to reveal himself to you, John 14, 23, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, Jeremiah 29, 13. All of these verses talk about God, John 14, 21 through 23. If you do what I tell you to do, the Father and I will come and put ourselves on display for you. That is a powerful thing, to have Jesus put himself on display. Praise the Lord. That is a powerful, powerful thing. I love that. Um, so let's keep going for a couple more things. There's lots more, but I, like I said, I don't have time for all that. I'll tell you everything. But um, so quality time. How can you have a loving relationship if you don't make time for God? You have to make time for God. Mark 1, 35. Jesus rose up a great uh, while before morning, went out into a solitary place, and there he prayed. This was his custom, it says. As was his custom or habit. He got up early and went in a solitary place and there spent time alone, quality time. If you, you can live with a person, but if there's no quality time, there's no intimacy. And, and that's a very powerful thing 
quality time is doing things that people enjoy and that it's something where you're sharing and doing things like that. There's a lot of levels of that and many different things. But, but with Jesus, it's really, really a really important thing. If you don't have quality time, how are you going to have a loving relationship with Jesus? You're not going to be able to do it. You need to make time for God every day. Praise the Lord. Tell somebody that's what I'm talking about. This then begins to create a, a phenomenon called bonding. And bonding is what you want to have with Jesus. You want to be emotionally connected to Jesus as well as spiritually and in every other way you want to have. Because remember, when you're bonded to something, you're not going to hurt it. You only hurt things you no longer care about. But if you care about something and feel that person's pain, it's much easier for you to hurt them. The same way with a dog. You can't hurt your dog because you love your dog and you don't want to hurt your dog. If you don't like your dog, then you don't feed your dog and you leave your dog out in the cold. If you love your cat, like many of you, you, you feed the cats and you love the cats and you take care of the cats and you have many cats and things. And there's all that bonding. Praise the Lord. If you're going to have a loving relationship with Jesus, there has to be celebration. You have to celebrate who Jesus is verbally. You have to celebrate who Jesus is to other people. You have to talk about him and celebrate him and, and declare him and, and do all that because that in itself will create a miracle inside you of bonding and closeness with God. You want to get addicted to your time with Jesus until your time with Jesus never ends. And it's a 24 hours around the clock all of the time. Praise the Lord. Tell someone that's what I need. So from those things, then you're going to start feeling joy, love, and peace. And righteousness will start flowing out of your life from your love relationship with Jesus. Or so a lot of the bad things you're doing will start leaving your life because you're having so much fulfilling activity going on between you and Jesus in the sense of feeling love all the time, feeling joy all the time, feeling peace all the time, you're going to get addicted to that, and it's going to become an addiction that you then want to pass on to other people. Praise God. All of these things are really important because then they create the trust, and trust between you and Jesus is everything. It's very difficult to pray and have a relationship with Jesus if you don't trust him to handle your life the way you should. How do you know you don't trust Jesus? You are a complainer. That's how you know. Complaining is how you tell God you do not trust his plan for your life. And gratitude in the midst of chaos is how you tell God, I can't figure it out, but I know you got it figured out. I'm just going to praise you on the way through this. That is a powerful thing. Hallelujah. Look at somebody right now and say, you really needed this. So then from that place begins to happen affection. Affection. One of the most beautiful things there is, is you start feeling tender affection towards Jesus, towards 
your father towards the Holy Spirit. You begin to feel tender affection. And now it becomes necessary for you to do this all the time, all day, in every area of your life. And Jesus starts becoming your real, true love of your life. And then you begin to see everything in the way that God wants purpose. What else is necessary? Intimate language. This is very powerful. How can you have a loving relationship when there's no intimate language? This means you tell Jesus, I love you, Jesus, not from here, but from here. I love you, Jesus. You mean more to me than anybody in the whole world. Thank you, thank you, thank you for saving my life, for being my deliverer and my healer, the source of my joy, the source of my peace. I love you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus, in my life so badly in so many areas of my life, and I just want to tell you how much you mean to me. Intimate language, constantly saying to Jesus, I love you. I love you need you. I want you in my life. Because, you know, a lot of people say these things, but they mean nothing. Because it's phraseology, Christianity. It's what a lot of people do. They just go around telling every person in the whole building over and over again, I love you. Hey, I love you, 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 I love you. It means nothing to them. So it means nothing to you. It's phraseology. It's not the fruit of an, an intimate relationship. But when somebody really tells you they love you and you know they really do, that's a very powerful thing. And you have to remember, you sing with intimate language. That's why for some of you to hear some of these songs and to actually sing them, it messes with your insides because you're not used to talking to God that way. It was very difficult for me when I first got saved to say, my father. It was very difficult because it's not words I had ever used towards any man. And so when I got saved, I heard everybody saying, my father, I love you, I love you. And some people even went further and they said, daddy. And it just freaked me out. I mean, it just was way, way out of there, way, way out there. I was just like, you know. But slowly... Slowly, as my time with God and an intimate relationship grew, I, I began to be able to say those words. And, you know, it's very comforting. I think I say it every day now. You're my father, and it's your good pleasure to give me the kingdom. I know he wants me to have everything that I need to bless people. He'll give me that hospital. He'll give us that, that uh, vocational school. He'll build that hotel. He'll rescue more children. He'll give us the ability to feed 1,000 children a day, 5,000 children a day in Africa. He'll do it because it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Praise the Lord. Some of you are going to do best if you write letters to God, literally write letters to God. Because some of you work better that way, and your insides work better, and you should do that. Just write letters to God, the most loving letters you can write, and they will do their job. It's a very powerful thing.
And those of you that can't talk it should probably write it to begin with and then read it out loud. But the, the idea is the intimate language. That's the idea. And it's a very, very life-changing thing and very important. So there's many other things. I've come to an end for tonight, but I just wanted to tell everybody, uh, you know, loving Jesus is what Christianity is all about. Don't forget to manage and maintain that in your life. Don't forget to sow your seed on any kind of ground that's in front of you. You know, where's that picture? Oh, my gosh. Don't ever take that picture down. <laughs> ever in the next 10,000 years. I want that picture. I'm going to put that picture in my office. That is a great picture. I liked them all. I may put them all in there. But I'm not going to steal your sermon. I just want you to know. It, it, yeah, it is yours, babe. God gave it to you. You can minister that everywhere. But, but I do want the pictures. Boom. But this is the whole idea of our day today was to reignite and rekindle the fire. And if you don't even have this relationship with God, remember that there's no guarantee you'll even last. As how many people aren't in church this year that were last year? And they're not even serving God. But at the time, they looked like they really were. But they weren't because they never found the love connection. And if you don't find the love connection with Jesus, you're going to be in trouble. Religion is not enough. It's just got to be, there's got to be a love relationship. It's very difficult to betray people in God when you love Jesus. Praise the Lord. Why don't you look around at a few people and say, whatever you need, God's going to give you. Praise the Lord. And uh, I just want to minister to a few, of you, a few of you tonight, if that's okay. You know, God is a compassionate God and a loving God, and he cares about everybody. And I do want to say to you, you know, when people minister to people, sometimes we don't always say this, but remember, if you're a crazy person and God gives you something beautiful, it isn't because he approves of your craziness. It's because he's looking 50 years down the road. And God speaks from the end backwards. Know that if you don't fix what is chronically against God, that what God tells you will be paralyzed until the day you do. That doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It's not perfection. It's having a perfect heart towards God. Praise the Lord. Because we need to be encouraged. You know, we need to be encouraged constantly and, and all the time. And it's good and it's necessary. Praise the Lord. And I have seen God do so many miracles now after all these years. And every week this happens, you know. Uh, everywhere that we go, we just see so many people get saved and so many miracles happen and so many unbelievable things that only God can take the credit for happen. Praise God. And, and I give all the praise and, and all the glory to God. But it's just the way he is. Praise the Lord. So close your eyes for a moment and I want you to think about your life right now. 
And if you need a miracle, literally a miracle within the next 30 days, I just want you to stand. And I want the rest of you to keep your eyes closed and just pray. But if you say, I need a miracle in the next 30 days, I just need God to do a miracle. Praise the Lord. And then we're going to pray for you. And we're going to ask God for that miracle to happen, whatever that miracle is. And if you're near these people, I just want you to reach your hand out towards them. And we're just going to minister to you from the Holy Spirit and ask God to give you the answer to your prayer. Isaiah 65, 24 says that before you ask God, he will answer you. And before you send out a prayer, he will send out a solution. And before you make a request, he will already say yes. Jeremiah 33.3 says, You'll send words up to heaven that will be like flames of fire in the ears of God. And he will send you down miracles wrapped in love. That's what the message says. 1 John 5.14, be confident that God hears your prayers because you're praying according to his will. And you can be confident that he hears you. John 15.7, ask according to my name and I will answer you. Abide in my word. Dwell in my word and you shall have what you have asked for. Luke 11, 9 through 11 says, If you ask, you receive. If you seek, you, knock, you, you find. And if you knock, the door will be opened. Philippians 4.19 says, I will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And Ephesians 3.20 says, I'll do, I'll do so much above your ability to believe that it will seem like a great and impossible miracle that I have done. I will do exceedingly, abundantly, above everything you ask or think of. Because this is the love that I have for you. Romans 5.17, you'll have grace and victory in this situation so that you come out dripping in the oils of the Holy Spirit's grace and love. Luke 6.38 says, pressed down and shaken together and running over to shall they give unto you. Exodus 3.20 says you will not come out empty-handed, but your hands will be full of the answers that you are asking God for. What a wonder God is. Praise God. Jeremiah 32.17 God cannot be stopped by man. He cannot be measured, controlled, or dictated to. For what he does is far above the impossible. It is the improbable and the unexpected. God is with you and not against you. God is for you and your enemies 
Deuteronomy 28 and verse 6 and 7. Your enemies that have been attacking you are going to start running in seven different directions. Psalm 140, Psalm 41, 11, you will know that I'm going to do this and give you great favor in this situation because those that fight against you will be silenced. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. For one shall put to flight a thousand, and two shall put to flight ten thousand. And the army of friends and believers that you have, they shall put a hundred thousand to flight. Psalm 91, 10, 11, and 12. Because you have set your love upon me, I will deliver you from all types of trouble. Emotional trouble, mental trouble, physical trouble. I will deliver you because you've set your love upon me. I will deliver you from trouble, show you my salvation, and satisfy you with long life. Psalm 94, 19. When your anxious thoughts begin to multiply in your head, my comfort will come to you and bring you comforting reassurance in all the things that you must do. Luke 6, 52. Put your hand to the plow, my son and daughter, and do not take it off. Do not look to the right or to the left, but look straight ahead. For I am the Lord your God, Joshua 3, 5. And tomorrow I will do signs and wonders among you. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Lift your hands up. I'm just washing you in the Word right now. 30 days, whatever miracles you need, we just receive them now from God, from the Holy Spirit, and from the name of Jesus. Thank you, Almighty God. Amen. Give somebody a hug around you. Praise God. Isn't God great? Now I prophesy great prosperity to this church. For I see a vision of a bay, a harbor. And I can see it very clearly. And there are many boats, sailboats. And some of the sails on the boats are not up, they're down. These boats are anchored. But many of the other boats they're out and they're moving out, and some are coming in. And the Lord is saying to the church, there are many boats that I have prepared, and they're heavy laden with blessings. They've already gone out, and they've already been sent out. And there are others that already went out and emptied themselves and came back to get refilled. And then there's some that are being filled right now. They have not been sent out yet. But the Lord does not see you as a small harbor. But he sees you as a large harbor with hundreds and thousands of boats that he has assigned to this church. Because this church is not called to just move a little bit. It's called to move a lot. It's called to do a lot. And it's called to accomplish a lot. And it's the Lord that fills the sails 
with the wind. They will reach their desired haven. They will come back to their desired haven. And the boats will not rot. They will not collide with one another. They will not wreck. Because the captains of those boats are all guided by the same captain. Beautiful things are in store for you. Because you are part of Zion. The city of God. And the light that is in you is going out. It's going to bless a lot of people. Over the next 10 years, there will be many millionaires that will come from this church. For there are more millionaires coming. I'm going to speak to these millionaires and they won't even know where they're going. They're just going to move in the area and not realize they have moved here to be a part of Living Waters Church because they're going to fill those boats. I'll send them from the north, way up in the north, the northern states. I'll send some from the lower states and from the west and the east. They won't have any idea why they're doing it. They may just think they're hunting or getting a hunting this or a hunting that. But I've sent them there. And some of them barely love me today. And some of them don't love me at all. But by the time they come, they will be fully on fire like a torch. And they will be looking for the place where they can burn brightly. And I will do it and nobody can take credit for what I will do. For it is my hand, saith the Lord. And it will be beautiful in your eyes. Because before you go to heaven, you will see many of these boats do many great things. It is a beautiful thing. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God, everybody. We had a good day today. Praise God. Man, I just got really ministered to by my wife's word. I got to just tell you. I got to just tell you. That really blessed me. Praise the Lord. I mean, that's beautiful, Kimberly. That was a great word. Jesus spoke to you really, really great. So praise God, everybody. God bless you. Have a beautiful life. Have a beautiful day. Till we see you again, here's your pastor. Amen. Praise God. That was awesome. Amen. Aren't you glad you came back tonight? Praise God. Well, uh, stand up. Now, y'all are such an amazing people. Uh, Bill, just stand back there at the back with a bucket. If somebody's got an offering tonight, I'm not going to take up an offering. Y'all been here taking up offerings, blessed and all that. But if you I mean if you're just itching to throw something in, then right back there at the back door, Bill's going to be standing there. You got look at Frankie. You stand there. You got an offering, or you just hold an envelope. <laughs> all right. Yeah, unbelievable people. We're going to take up an offering. All right. Let me pray over it. Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name over the, all the offerings given, Lord, the people tonight, the word that's been sown. I just declare tonight, Lord God, that your hand is upon every business, every person. I declare, Lord God, that there is great abundance. I declare, I claim this word for the church. I take this word for the church, Lord, that we are going to reach millions. We're going to send out many ships. We're going to see many things happen, many miracles happen for your glory, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for it, that we get to be a part of it. In Jesus' mighty name, 
Amen and amen. God bless you. Bill, just pass it around. Everybody sees there's Bill. Praise God. God bless you for being here. We're going to get going back. Don't forget Wednesday night. We're going to be back in church. Now, Brother Ivan won't be with us, but Jesus will. So praise God for that. Amen. Ivan, Kimberly, we love you guys. Love you, love you, love you. All the blessings of the church upon you. In Jesus' name. Oh, don't forget the books and CDs are still over here too. If you haven't looked through the material and gotten something, man, that's a great place to get it.